Feeding children is one of the most basic human responsibilities. So why do we so often feel like we're failing at it? I'm Jane Black. And I'm Liz Dunn. We're moms and we're food journalists. And in Pressure Cooker, we tackle some of the thorniest issues around how we feed our kids. How important is family dinner? And why do kids refuse to eat their vegetables? To find out, we're talking to experts and hearing from parents locked in the daily struggle to feed little people with big personalities. Listen to Pressure Cooker wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Aislinn Green, and this is Unpacked, the podcast that unpacks one tricky topic in travel every week. And this week, we are digging into a topic that many find uncomfortable or even taboo, money. We use Slack in our office. And when I was planning for this interview that you're about to hear, I posted in one of our channels, you know, what questions do you have about travel and personal finance? And I was really surprised by the kind of conversation that took off. People had questions like, how do you deal with traveling with people who have very different incomes? Say two parents who have young children traveling with a couple that has no children. Or how do you balance wanting to, say, reside your house with wanting to travel all around the world or save for retirement or pay off debt, all of these things? It's complicated and it's very personal. We don't often speak in a transparent way about this. And that's why I really love the person that we're going to be hearing from today. Her name is Danielle Desir Corbett. She's a podcaster and a writer who covers the intersection of personal finance and travel, and she's very transparent with her own finances. In fact, she posts the costs of her trip, like the breakdown of what she actually spends when she travels on her website, thoughtcard.com. On the site and the podcast, also called The Thought Card, she provides travelers with the tools and resources to earn more money, pay off debt, build wealth, all of those great financial things, all while traveling the world. So let's hear from Danielle. Hi, Danielle. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for just, you know, inviting me to chat. And yeah, I think personal finance and travel is like really important. So can't wait. I'd love to take a step back. How did you get into travel? And how did you get into travel and personal finance? I would say that I started traveling in my early 20s, mid to 20s, after graduate school. And during that time, it was it was challenging because I had student loan debt. I had aspirations of buying a house. And I really realized the importance of travel, but the importance of finances to be able to travel. So that, that really started this like lifelong passion to create content around travel and personal finance. That's amazing. And I don't think it is talked about enough, right? Like everyone wants to travel, but how do you fund it? And how do you travel in a way that doesn't take away from these other goals that you have? Did you see a really positive response when you launched? Not at all. So (laughs) I I launched my site in 2015, thoughtcard.com. And there was an intrigue, like why are you a travel creator talking about personal finance? And on the opposite side, why are you a personal finance creator talking about travel? Because a lot of times in the content creation space, you're like niche down and pick one thing. And I think to our benefit that there is an intersection of travel and personal finance where there there are two important pieces. And for me, it's like two sides of the same coin. I cannot talk about travel without the financial piece. And it's it's one of those things that, you know, I think sometimes people are scared to talk about money because there's this negative stigma. 
but we just have to own it. I feel like we have to own it. And once you can figure that out, travel becomes something that's not only a hobby, but like a lifestyle, which was a big goal of mine in the beginning. I think the transparency part is really important. Like you said, people don't talk about, you know, something that's a little taboo, I think, in our culture in general. But then once somebody else gets brave in that way, I feel like it opens up so much space for other people to talk about it, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I would like to just start with a very kind of simple question. How do you go about integrating your travel spending into, say, a monthly budget if you're a budgeter? And how would you recommend that other people kind of tackle this relatively simple thing, but not easy? <laughs> yes, right. Sometimes things are simple when they're, they're thinking about them, but to actually put them on paper and conceptualize them and actually go through with them can be the challenging part. So as with every other financial goal that we have, I think it's a decision to prioritize travel and to say, this is an important part that I would like to obtain. Once you've decided that travel is going to be a financial priority in your life, now let's add the numerical pieces and look at your spending plan or your budget, as they say. <laughs> a lot of people, when they're thinking about travel, it's a couple things that they think about. Either it's like spent, like spur of the moment, I'm going to just put it on a credit card. Typically, it's not built into your budget. So to think about that, I like to think of travel as another bill. Mm. So it's not discretionary. It's like, this is part of my lifestyle. This is something I, I put towards every month, like my mortgage, like my rent, yeah. like my gym membership. So instead of paying someone else, now I'm paying myself in this form of future travels. So make the commitment to treat travel like a recurring bill. There are a couple of mental hurdles. Sometimes we feel like for us to save, it has to hurt or we have to feel like we are really slugging to like save. And sometimes we don't value the small savings of $25 or $50 um, a month, for example. And I'm going to encourage you to no matter how small the amount is, just get into the habit of paying this bill to yourself every single month, regardless if you feel like it's a lot, regardless if you feel like it's a little bit of money. It's really about building this habit of consistency. And you can do that through automation. So especially if you have a nine to five job, treating travel like a bill means having its own bank account. And the reason why I like having its own separate bank account is because you could see how much money you have there at a moment's glance. When you're in the middle of trying to book a flight sale, like there's no like toggling. You just need to see how much money you have. So yeah. you're able to see how much money you have and you're not commingling funds. Yeah. A lot of times we have to do with mental gymnastics to kind of think we have this pot of money. What do I have allocated for this? And just keep it simple separate bank account, we'd call that a travel fund, and you allocate funds towards that um, every single month. With automation, I really liked when I had a steady paycheck coming in, I would take out money from directly from my paycheck and it go directly to that account. So I never saw it and I was never involved in the actual saving process. Like I yeah. said that once, but because I oftentimes like I forget and then I'm like, wait, I really want to go to this concert. So let me not save for travel this month, right? <laughs> so these are things that come up that let's eliminate 
all this mental drama and just create a financial system for ourselves. And for me, this was a system I created. With that system, I was able to say yes to more travel opportunities. I could plan long-term for more opportunities because the money was there. And there was no shame in going to travel because I did the work. It didn't necessarily feel like I was like, you know, slugging through the mud to save, but I was saving. And I knew this was guilt-free money that I could just go and I did the work. I did the work. I made the sacrifices and travel now became something that I could pursue. And I just did this over and over and over again. And still till this day, it looks a little different now with the family and as an entrepreneur, but the system is still intact today. I love that. And I love the idea that you can start really small, even if maybe you have a dream of traveling somewhere for six weeks or something, you know, you want to take an epic trip, like just start with whatever you can reasonably afford, even if it's $25 a month. That's really smart. I also think that if you've had the opportunity to travel and you came back home with a lot of debt or you came back home like not in a good financial space. Yeah. You have to work really hard to pay off that debt. And like for me, that's happened sometimes where I would travel despite all my financial systems and I would come back and my finances were not in order. Mm -hmm. And that really just motivated me to be like, okay, for next time, how do I get one percent better so that I don't have to feel this way or I don't have to work super extra hard for paying this off? I also think that it's sometimes good in personal finance to lead with your emotions. Um, I think sometimes people say like, don't be emotional, but sometimes your emotions can really inspire you. You can be like, I'm really not happy about this. So what can I do to change this? Or I'm really proud of myself. or I'm really happy. Let's continue doing this. Mm -hmm. I think emotions is something that's also really important that we don't typically talk about in the personal finance and travel space, but it can really help you to kind of course correct and create that system for yourself as well. Yeah, that's smart. I mean, because I think emotion is present in the way that we often spend, right? We just don't necessarily give it that credit. I think one of the things that leads to sometimes the overspending is not being able to kind of realistically budget for a trip. So how do you go about figuring out really what am I going to spend? How do I kind of allot for flights, travel, and of course, the things that always come up or like a cool opportunity? How do you think about that? So one thing about having that travel fund and having that recurrence of saving is that now you're building up your your savings and you can now consider more opportunities of spontaneous travel. However, for those who are thinking of, okay, I have a trip coming up maybe later this year or a couple months away, start by looking at your big spending categories, which a lot of times is airfare or transportation to get there. Mm -hmm. That's also accommodation and lodging. Those two are often the things that we're looking to book and to reserve. And those are a good place to start jotting down numbers. There are a couple of sites that are very helpful when it comes to just being able to see how much people are spending. So Numbio is one of those sites that I like to use. And it just kind of tells you like, okay, on average, like this is how much a meal will cost in Iceland, for example. So now you can start to put numbers together and start to 
imagine what it would look like for certain things like your food expenses or activities. That's more practical, but I want to take a step back for a second and also think about your travel style. So your travel style is really how you like to travel. It's valuing the things that are important to you when you're traveling and saying no and reducing everything else. This is really important because now when we're putting together our budget, we know, hey, I really want to spend more on this accommodation because it has a spa. And I know I really love that. But maybe I'm not going to go on any tours or I'm not going to do any like museum admissions because that's not as valuable to me. So that also plays an important role is make a list of things that are very important to you. Do you like business or do you not mind economy? Two different budgets, right? Two different amounts. (laughs) Uh, That's a good place to start. And then when you know exactly where you want to go or you're thinking about the options, you start actually putting pen to paper and doing the research. Last thing I want to say about uh, just kind of putting numbers on paper, you start to create a baseline for yourself. Baseline meaning that this is the target number that I'm going to save for and I'm going to try to book it at this price. However, if anything comes under that, this is a deal, right? We hear a lot of times of these travel deals or the flight (laughs) deals and they exist, but for you to know it's a deal, you have to know what the baseline is. So I really like creating a travel budget just so I could know what do I need to beat? Like, what are the areas that I could truly see savings? And when you see those savings, you can now reallocate those money back to the things that you value, right? So I think it's such an important process that sometimes we kind of skip over. Like sometimes you kind of have an idea, like I kind of generally want to spend like $2,000, you know? But it's not very realistic. (laughs) It's not very realistic. And there's a lot of uncertainty and surprises that can come at at the end of the trip. So those are some of those steps that I think is really helpful. Something else to look out for, a lot of travel creators like myself included, we include our budget breakdowns on our website. So on my website, thoughtcard.com, I have entire section with trip costs, breakdowns to Iceland and China and Portugal so that travelers can literally see, okay, Danielle's travel style, she's, you know, affordable luxury. So she's, you know, spending and splurging and also skimping on certain things. And this is realistically how much I can anticipate to spend, right? So that kind of makes things a little bit more real and concrete. I love it. And again, the transparency. Yes. How do you, and I think maybe this goes back to what you were saying about evaluating your travel style and what really matters to you when you visit a place. But one thing that I find that I fall into is I'm there and suddenly like money ceases to kind of be real in the same way that it used to be. Does that make sense? It's kind of like, well, I'm on vacation, like we're traveling. I can't miss this opportunity. Like I'm here, who knows when I'll be back. And Do you have any advice for kind of tamping that down? Absolutely. I think one of the things that I've done to curtail that is say that I'm going to be back, right? Is having this conviction and saying that this isn't a once in a lifetime opportunity. I will have more experiences to come back. That mindset shift really allows you to say, 
okay, I do want to spend and I do want to have an enjoyable trip. I don't have to go so insanely crazy that I'm like regretting it later on. Another mindset shift is if I'm able to be smart with my finances today, I can go on another trip this year yeah. or very <laughs> yeah. soon. You know what I mean? So yeah, totally. it's like it's like this balance of like, this is not a once in a lifetime. I can afford to do this in the future, right? I'm going to enjoy everything I have today. And I know that there's going to be things that I'm not going to be able to do. So like an example is I went to Iceland I think in like 2017 and it was amazing, gorgeous, beautiful. And I said to myself, like similar, similarly to you, I was like, I, I want to do this glacier hike. I have a little bit of time. I have limited finances. I want to do this. But then in a few short years later, I've been to Iceland three times and every (laughs) year I'm just adding on more things that I want to do. Right. It's, it's sometimes I think we have this, we want things immediate. And there is something special about working for it and knowing that, okay, I don't have to overwhelm myself this time. Let's just take a step back. I will be back. I will be back is something I say to myself all the time. I love that. It, and it seems like a lot of this is about mindset shift, shifting your mindset around how you think about trips, how you think about yourself. And then once you're there, that mindset of like, okay, if I'm more responsible now, I can return later and feel good about it each time. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Are there other tools that you use? Like, how do you budget? Like, what's your style? So I love spreadsheets. And even simpler these days is literally I have an iPhone. So I just use the notes app on my phone. And I just start to put numbers on paper, whether that's start researching flights or looking at blogs that share different dollar amounts. I just kind of put items down. Um, With having a family and a significant other, it becomes a little bit more complicated because now you have two (laughs) travel styles and and you have multiple viewpoints of things that you want to do. So it's, it's, a lot of it also is communicating, whether you're traveling with your significant other, with your family or with your friends, communicating and saying, hey, listen, here's what I have available to spend or here's what I feel comfortable with. And let's get on the same page about what that looks like. I think communication is very important. And you're traveling with these people because you enjoy them and you love them, right? You (laughs) cherish them. So let the financial piece not be a barrier, right? Let everyone be aware and know so that sometimes you don't know other people's financial situations. They could be better off or worse off than you. But if we're both holding our cards to our chest, we have all this tension and we're not really sure. And we kind of all are trying to do too much sometimes. So communication, I think, is very key. And planning together is important. Wonderful. Well, that leads very nicely into another question that came up. How do you navigate traveling with friends outside of your, you know, your your nearest and dearest family, especially if there's some income disparity? If there's a single person who's traveling with someone who, you know, has a kid or people who have two incomes and no children, there can be a lot of different priorities and mindsets there. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Communication, communication, like we mentioned, is very key and very important. And then I also think it's about 
distributing roles and responsibilities. So within my friend circle, everyone knows that I'm obsessed with cheap flights. So my job (laughs) is to find the cheap flight. And that's helpful because now they don't have to worry about that, right? I'm the one that's tasked with that particular part of the trip. And then I have another friend who enjoys the accommodation piece. So if she's on that trip, we will really rely on them to be able to secure that booking. And when we say secure that booking, it's really like to present it like, hey, listen, I found this deal. I found this. What are your thoughts? Does it feel good and feel right to you? Always be very upfront and honest about the cost of the airfare and the accommodation upfront. Car rentals, these are things that we are booking early. So you want to say very clearly like, hey, it costs this and this much and I'm going to need this amount by this date, right? These are things that are very important so that there's no expectation expectations not met and kind of fighting and strife and all those kind of things. So those things are really important. I would say also, if you're in the position where, let's say you're booking things with points and miles, for example, so you don't really are taking anything out of pocket, there are certain times that you may say to your friend, like, hey, you know what? I got your flights, you know, an extra 20,000 miles is not really a big deal to me if that's you know feasible. And that's why I love points and miles because you could be more generous because it's not your actual cash, right? I also think as much as possible to book things beyond the big items. So if you know you want to go to a particular museum or a particular type of tour, then get those booked early because a lot of times you can really be more free and you're not thinking about having to dish out cash on your trip. And a lot of times when you book early, you save, especially on these tours. Sometimes you book online, you get discounts, you get benefits and perks and things like that. So I also try to just say, okay, here's the options. What are you up for? What are you not up for? Something else. I have all these ideas. Another thing I, <laughs> another thing I like to do is no spend days. Oh, so... Cool similar to a no spend challenge. I don't know if you've heard of those, but it's pretty much where we're out exploring a destination and our challenge is to spend no money on activities and entertainment. So we're looking for a free museum. We're maybe taking a stroll around town or we're, you know, going shopping. Um, There's a lot of fun things to do for free. So that's something that I encourage like and I've done this all over I've done it in Las Vegas most recently wow. I was I was like <laughs> Vegas is like it's just spending money everywhere but I'm like I don't want to I don't know what I want to spend on so let me just kind of explore so I, I think these are things that we can do that will either curtail the expenses make things fun and just really be in a place of communication and being open and just trying as best as possible to make sure that no one's feeling overwhelmed or embarrassment, shame. Those emotions are not part of the conversation. Yeah. I love the idea of a no spend challenge too, because it seems like it would spark some creativity and allow you to see the place in a very different way. Do you use tools like Splitwise or anything to help keep track of costs when you travel with friends? Not necessarily. I try, if possible, to be able to pay separately. So 
a lot of times I'll say something like, let's just split it evenly down so we don't have to be doing like mental math and gymnastics and we're able to pay with our own cards. That to me is ideal because I get the points and miles for it. <laughs> but uh, you do have Splitwise, you have like Venmos that you can do back and forth. You have Zelle apps. These are all things that can make it a lot easier for you to like keep track. There's also, I know, travel budgeting apps as well. So if you want to kind of keep your budget on your phone and you want to kind of keep, you know, keep track of things, those are available. Tools are great. You know, I feel like whatever tools you need to feel comfortable and to be able to feel like, okay, I'm managing things is great. But if you also just want to be old school pen and paper or you want to have something on your phone, that's, uh, that's good too as well. Well, since you're a deals pro, at least when it comes to flights, how do you decide when it's worth investing time in finding a deal? So I really appreciate when deals comes to me in my inbox. Yeah. So <laughs> I don't have as much time and I've never really been that heavy researcher where I'm like scouring for hours. Like I prefer to subscribe to newsletters and have them sent to me. And every day I can just go through and see, is this on target? Is this part of my baseline plan? Like, is this a good deal versus a great deal? So newsletters, I think, are very, very helpful. You could also follow places on social media, but I think sometimes it gets cluttered. On social media, you're looking at cat memes and trying to find a deal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which can be very, uh, very, very difficult. So just attracting, attracting them and having a way to organize things in your inbox, whether you have a folder specifically for your flight deals or you have a separate email account that all your flight deals go to that you can just check on a, you know, frequent basis. These are things that, again, it makes, it takes less time because now you're attracting it and you could just say yay or nay at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Which newsletters do you like for that? Oh, I have so many. Yes. Um, I have so many, so many. Yes. So Thrifty Traveler Premium is one of um, my favorites. And these are like cheap flight deal alert subscription programs where they will send you dozens of flight deals every month daily (laughs) and you can shift through and kind of see and what I like about them also going is another one which was Mm -hmm. formerly Scotch Cheap Flights they are the experts they are the ones who are shifting through and finding these opportunities and you get alerts as soon as they pop up and again now I'm in a decision I could say yay or nay to those things I also in addition to like flight deals I also like resorts and hotels. So Travel Zoo has a newsletter where they send out every Wednesday and they have like a mash of things. So it can be things like hotel sales, package deals, uh, that sort of thing. So now I literally actually got a deal to Azores, Portugal, uh, just through that. Something that I love about these kind of catch-all newsletters is they're going to point you to different deals, go to those websites and subscribe to their newsletters. So now you're getting like the main one and then all these little niche newsletters also. It's, it's, as you can tell, I I have my inbox is full. (laughs) (laughs) But I like the idea of maybe having a separate email address for that. If that 
if you can't deal with like the flood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I kind of go down to the nitty gritty and say, okay, I'll sign up for these, you know, smaller ones. And now I'm getting opportunities being sent to me. So that's very, very helpful. Let me see if there's anything else. Those are the main ones like gate one. Also, they do package deals like package tours. So I like their Monday newsletter because they often put a handful of their tours on sale and I can just consider like, oh, maybe Ireland sounds good. The con here is that I'm not, I'm very open. So it's not, it's like if I'm looking for, let's say a trip to Australia, I understand that it may not be likely that I'll I'll find a deal that way. But if you're open to opportunities and you're not really caring about the destination as much, these are really great tactics to use because the world is your oyster. Yeah, that makes sense. You could just be open to serendipity like, oh, that sounds good. And it's a good deal. So great. Exactly. Exactly. Before buying a deal like that, would you if if you hadn't planned to go to Ireland, and you didn't already have kind of a baseline flight, would you go and just check what the average is before actually buying that deal? Yes. So I would typically look at the flight prices. That would be what I'd be comparing. So an example, I was able to book a couple years ago, a hotel and flight package to Ireland for like $5.99. When I looked at the prices from New York City to Ireland, they were like $7.50. So I knew that I found a really good one because now I have accommodation and flights underneath just getting there. So that's like one example. Uh, A couple years ago, I found a deal to China for $299. It was a 10-day trip. I I would call it like luxurious backpacking because we were traveling all across the country for 10 days. 299. I didn't even have to do any research or comparison because yeah. I already knew like <laughs> yeah, getting to Asia is it's exactly. Um, yeah. Wow. So uh, just there are opportunities out there that's really interesting. And sometimes you're like, is this a scam? Like I had to call <laughs> it and I'm like, are you sure? But the government was subsidizing it at the time. Um, uh, okay. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Again, these are opportunities that were not planned, but I had the travel fund there. So I had money to pull from and the serendipity of it all just kind of matched and it worked really well for us. Love it. What a fun trip. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you touched on this a little bit earlier with your no spend day, but what are your financial rules, quote unquote, when you travel? I would say the excessiveness of sometimes the little things. I know that I struggle with that. So, for example, I love coffee and for me, there's no better joy than going to a destination and exploring all the coffee spots and all the things, right? But when I come back home, I typically do a debrief of my travel budget. So I look at, okay, budget versus actual, like what did I actually spend and how do I feel about spending in these categories? And a lot of times the small things like the coffees, I realize become excessive, because it feels minuscule at the time, I'm not thinking about it. And then at the end, it's like become way more than I think is necessary. So I think to establish rules for yourself, you have to start looking at your past travel spending and start to identify patterns that don't feel Mm -hmm. good to you, right? 
Once I realized that coffee was too much, next trip, I was like, okay, instead of three coffees a day, let's do one. <laughs> let's scale it back a little bit. Another thing that I have in terms of like the rules for myself, it's just a quick check within myself or whoever I'm traveling to be like, is this worth it? So for example, last summer we were in Paris, my mom, my baby and I, and we had an option. Should we go on a bus tour around the city of Paris where they kind of take you around, but they also stop in different spaces? Or should we just like take the metro and kind of DIY it? And we thought about it for just a minute and we decided this is not in alignment with our trip because all the spots that this bus wanted to take us was not where we wanted to go ultimately. So it's just really before you swipe the card or pay for something, it's just taking a moment and saying, is this in alignment with where I want to go? And sometimes it's worth it. Sometimes it's worth it to spend more. It's worth it for convenience, for time savings and all the things. But if we would have gone on that bus, it would have been wasteful at that point because we didn't get anything out of it. And that's something that I'm I'm still learning every trip is to identify wasteful opportunities where it's like, just because I'm traveling doesn't necessarily mean that I have to spend on every little nick and cranny. I have to really think about, do I need this? Is this appropriate? And then move forward. But I also have like, things that I like to do in every city. So I like to go on free walking tours in every city. It's a great way to get the history and the context. So I really do like those as like good things. I'm also obsessed with viewpoints. So if I can hike up to a mountain or hike up to like the, you know, the a <laughs> yeah, viewpoint in the city, it's mm-hmm. something that it's like, I want to see that in, you know, in every city I get to. So you could have rules, financial rules, but you could have things that you're like, I want to do this in every city. Like I want to go to a brewery in every city I go to. Uh, so it can be positive And also, you know, just kind of thinking about your personal finances as well. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, would you be comfortable sharing, you know, what percentage of your annual or monthly budget travel takes up? I would say like a year, I'm thinking about 10% of my income would go towards towards travel. So I think more than the percentages is thinking about how many trips can you fit into that budget. And that to me unlocked a big opportunity because I realized that I can do more within the same amount of budget if I'm strategic. So that's something to think about too. It's like, okay, I have a finite amount of money. Maybe last year was one, but can I fit two? And what does two look like? Can I fit three? What does that look like? You know, just choices. Yeah. What is your advice for people who, going back to the beginning, who toggle between that I need to save money, this is the year I'm going to buckle down, and you only live once, you know, who really struggle and kind of maybe flip-flop throughout the year? Yes. Uh, So for me, when I decided to be the and person, that opened up no more like struggling mentally with like, who am I going to be or what am I focusing on? Meaning when I say an and person, it's like I can travel and pay off debt. I can travel and save for a house, travel and save for retirement. I can travel and work and be location independent. Once you say and 
you're opening up yourself. And I'm not saying that there aren't moments in time when you're buckling down, where you're like, I need to really get a hold of this credit card debt. Every penny needs to go towards this so I could get this out of my system. That is a moment in time and that could be a phase in your life. But if you open yourself up to generally speaking, you're pursuing multiple goals at the same time. The pros is that you're moving forward. Like if you had all these like little goals in a race, you're all moving forward. You may not be moving as fast as you want to because you still are saving some money for travel. You still are saving some money for your debt payoff and your other goals. But when you look at it holistically, you're moving in the right direction. Regardless of the speed, to me, I love that because again, society tells you you have to just buckle down and save or buckle down and pay off debt. But my life is passing by, you know, and I still, there's so much I still want to experience and see. So having multiple goals, but understanding that you're not going to be, you know, a hundred percent on everything because you're, (laughs) you know, your finances are typically finite, but you are making progress, right? You're making progress towards all of your goals. Also, If you are in that position where you are heads down and you're really focusing, think about, okay, how sweet it will be once that goal is done, how you have more freedom in your life. And that freedom can lead to more travel opportunities as well. So there's no right or wrong answer when it comes to money. It's about what do you feel like is appropriate for you at this time period, because you can always change your mind. You can always, you could always kind of rejigger things. And I actually encourage that. But for me personally, I knew that when I was heads down working on my student loan debt, the one thing that I could find like joyous in my life was that trip a year. Yeah. And and it was worth the sacrifice. It was worth like not reaching the debt payoff goal as fast because I had that trip, you know, to look forward to and to enjoy. So that's what I would I would say experiment with it. Like try some of the things that we talked about today and see like what feels good to you and kind of, you know, craft something that's individual to your circumstances and lifestyle. I love it. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and your wisdom. So thank you, Danielle. I appreciate, you know, giving the time and space to talk about travel money. It's, it's, it's very important. It's, it's powerful and It could be a hobby or a lifestyle choice or and a lifestyle choice, you know. So I love the encouragement that we're sharing with everyone else. So thank you. Thank you, Danielle. We will share links to her website, her podcast, and some of the fantastic resources she mentioned in the show notes. Next week, we will be back with an episode about how to make better decisions while traveling. We're speaking with writer and decision coach Nell McShane Wolfhart. We'll see you then. Ready for more unpacking? Visit Afar.com and be sure to follow us on Instagram and X. We are at Afar Media. If you enjoyed today's exploration, I hope you'll come back for more great stories. Subscribing always makes that easy. And be sure to rate and review the show on your favorite podcast platforms. It helps other travelers find it. And if you ever want to ask a question or suggest a topic for coverage, you can reach out to us at Afar.com feedback or email us at unpacked at Afar.com. This has been Unpacked, a production of Afar Media. The podcast is produced by Aislinn Green and Nikki Galtaland. Music composition by Chris Collin. And remember, the world is complicated. We're here to help you unpack it.